I feel like I should introduce myself because a number of you are new over the summer. I'm Mike. I'm actually the senior pastor of this church. Um, I've been gone for 10 weeks on sabbatical, and I am so happy to be back in church with you. What a blessing it is. I'll tell you this morning, this is the third service this morning, and I have heard a half a dozen times that I better watch my back. (laughs) I love hearing that because it's just a way of saying Dan did an awesome job, and I want to give him thanks. I I never doubted that this summer would be strong for our church, and it was a blessing to me to be able to step away for 10 weeks and have some sabbatical knowing it was in good hands. So it was 10 weeks, and um, sometimes people would say to me, uh, how was your vacation? I've heard it a couple times this morning already, and um, I I bristle a bit because I think, well, it wasn't a vacation, it was a sabbatical, and I sometimes will correct that if I hear it, and the difference between the two is it's a thin line, let's say. And I will say this, um, after 10 weeks of having been away, it took about half that summer before I moved away from thinking vacation and into thinking sabbatical. And this is how I knew that it had changed. We, we spent five weeks on Lake Lanier, and a, you know, it's a beautiful lake, and, and a church member had loaned us a boat, so we had toys to play with. And I knew we had hit sabbatical thinking when it was another perfect day to be on the water, and we slept in, and we ate a late well, I guess it was actually lunch by that point, and we read some, and we just, we didn't feel any waste in not getting out on the water right away. Because you know this, when you go on vacation, you think, I've got seven days, and I'm going to get everything out of it I possibly can, and then you show up to work Monday morning, and you're saying things like, I need a vacation from my vacation, (laughs) right? Isn't that what we do? We try to squeeze as much as we possibly can out of it, and so it's not restful. And the ambitions that we have in our normal work, we just transfer right over into our recreation, our hobbies, and we're as ambitious about that, and there's no rest. And so this morning, I feel like this is the topic the Lord's been sharing with me all summer, and it would be good to share it with you. Um, And and it, it is really good to be back here. This is a good time to think about rest, because it's also the time when things ramp up, right? The summer has ended. Kids are back in school. Um, the NFL's starting, so there's all that activity. Next week is our, our Get Connected Sunday, so there is a lot of activity. And the, the challenge is how do I remain inwardly rested in the midst of activity? How do I have that go with me? And most of us are trying to squeeze out more than is possible. I came across a quote in a book. The title of the book is Workaholics Making Laziness Work for You. And the author said this, most of us have taxi meters for brains ticking away, translating time and space into money, or you could say into productivity. Our minds are constantly thinking, how am I going to get that done and fit that in? And if I, if I skim a little bit here, then I can do a little extra there. And at the end of the day, I'll have whatever it is done. We're calculating how much we can get. And I find that most of us are doing it for one of two reasons. We're either doing it to simply provide for ourselves instead of just receive God's provision, or we're trying to prove ourselves. We want somebody else to say, wow, look how good he is. Wow, look how awesome she is. Or even, won't God think how awesome I am? If I just do a little more for him, then he's going to approve. Then he's going to give me praise. And both of those reasons cause us to lose rest. 
That's the compromise. Now this morning, here's my main proposition. God graciously gives us Sabbath to learn to rest in him. If you think of the laws as rules that are given so that you can clean up your act and then be accepted by God, you've got it entirely backwards, and that is anti-Christian. The law is actually a gift of grace. It is a gift that the Lord commands us to have a Sabbath. So I wanna look at this gospel passage. If you'll turn with me in Mark to chapter two, we're gonna look at Jesus and what he said about the topic of Sabbath and work and rest. Um, It was eight, what was the page? 838, Mark chapter two. And this is early in Jesus's ministry. I'll give you a second to get there. And as you're finding page 832, I'll just kind of set it up. Um, Jesus and his disciples were traveling around a lot and they didn't oftentimes have much with them and the Lord would provide in unique ways in each instance. And in this instance, they were cutting across a grain field and it was the Sabbath, the Saturday in the Jewish cycle. It was the Sabbath. And because the Jews had made such tight rules about how not to break the Sabbath, there were 30 some specific things you were not allowed to do. And some of these are actually given by God in, the, in Leviticus and in the, in the word. So it's not entirely man-made. But one of the things you were not allowed to do was to harvest grain and they were plucking the heads off of the grain and eating them for lunch. They were hungry. And I mean, it wasn't like they were harvesting to then bring bushels of grain in for money. They were just eating. And they were taking it, though, off of the stocks. And the Pharisees that were following Jesus say to him, look in verse 24, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And then Jesus takes them back to King David. And he says, have you not read what King David did when he and his men were in need? They went into the house of the Lord and they ate the bread that was only lawful for the priests to eat. And he gave it to his his traveling companions. David did that. And then Jesus makes this observation. Look at verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God didn't come up with a list of rules and then think, now I'm gonna make men and women to obey the rules. He made the rules for us, to help us. We were not made to live into the rules. The rules were made to help us live into what God has for us. And it's so easy to get it backwards and to think, I've just gotta follow all the rules properly and then I will be pleased, or I'll be pleasing to God. So Jesus and the Pharisees are debating the Sabbath meaning, and the Sabbath is made for man. Now, I need to define a couple of things. We need to talk about what Sabbath means, what that word means. The Hebrew word, which is just Sabbath, it simply means to rest, to stop, or to cease from activity. And they, um, the first time this word occurs, of the, it's 111 times it occurs in the Old Testament. The first time is in Genesis chapter two which is appropriate since we've been looking at Genesis all summer, Genesis chapter two is right where God has finished creating everything in six days. He's done everything in six days, and then it says in Genesis chapter two, verse one, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. That's the word Sabbath. He Sabbathed on the seventh day. So God rested. Why did he rest? Was he tired? Was he worn out from six days of hard work? Certainly not. Isaiah puts it this way. 
Even young men grow tired and weary, and those who wait on the Lord will be renewed in their strength, and they will rise up as on the wings of eagles. The strength comes from the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if he's able to strengthen us, he's got strength to as much as he needs. He wasn't tired. What he was doing was he stepped back to admire the project he had just completed. Have you ever done something creative and actually got to the place where you went, okay, now it's done. There's no more work to do on this. And you step back and you go, look at this. I made this and, and it's satisfying, right? He was admiring his work and he, was, he had said, it's very good. God's work was very good. But there's another thing that was happening here too that is so instructive and important for us is God was building into the very fabric of creation a rhythm. Picture a clock, a pendulum, an old grandfather clock with a pendulum swinging back and forth. There is a natural rhythm and meter to God's grace. If you're a musician, you know, four, two time goes one and two and one and two and evening and morning, day one evening and morning, day two. And as you read through Genesis chapter one, you recognize there's this kind of meter to it where God established the day. I mean, it's, it is a fact of science. The earth turns on its axis and it creates a time period for us that is evening and morning a day, evening and morning a day. It's a powerful thing. Rhythm is so important. God made it that way. And one of the things he also did is he made us to need sleep. Now, have you ever thought, oh, if I could just not have to sleep? If I didn't have to sleep at night, think about how much I could get done, right? I remember being in college and seeing written in the, in the, the men's um, bathroom on the wall a quote from the movie Roadhouse, I think it was, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. And it was this idea, this mantra of, I'm gonna work as hard as I can right now and squeeze everything I can out of this life. But the thing about sleep is you can only cheat it for so long and then you will sleep. And God help you not behind, be behind the wheel of a car when you finally fall asleep. You will come to a place where you will sleep eventually. And it's, that's inevitable. But what's not inevitable is that you will take a Sabbath on the seventh day. You can cheat that forever. Maybe you've never had a Sabbath or maybe it's been a long time. And it is a gift of God that he commands us to take a Sabbath. It's a gift of God that we need to sleep. Do you know why? Because when you put your head down on that pillow and you actually fall asleep, you are not keeping anything going. Even the breath that you're taking as you're sleeping is God sustaining life in you. He is still in control of everything. He doesn't sleep, he doesn't need to sleep. He is doing his work and you don't have to. A, um, a Scottish pastor named George MacDonald in the 19th century said it this way, he said, sleep is God's contrivance for giving us the help he cannot get into us when we're awake. That's a strong quote. It's a gift that you get tired and have to sleep. It's not an inconvenience. And it humbles you. And it humbles me to say, I'm actually not the one whose work matters so much. His work takes care of it. He's got it covered. Now, we skip out on the seventh-day Sabbath idea and there is a rhythm as well in the month and every seven days, and God set that up and modeled it for us, we can skip it, and I think we do it because of one of two things. Either idolatry, as I've already mentioned, we want more productivity. If I just work seven days, I can get more done. Now, science has shown that that's actually not true. If you actually rest and take a day off, you'll be more productive in the other six. So there's a simple 
let's say, non-spiritual benefit to resting on the seventh day. The other reason, though, is not just idolatry, it's ignorance. We don't actually know how to keep a Sabbath. What, do, what am I supposed to do? So I'm going to come back to that in a minute, so keep that question in mind. But, but first, we need to look at the command itself. So what God says, this is way back, and you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. This is way back in Exodus um, and in Deuteronomy. Do you know there are two lists in the Bible of the Ten Commandments? And they're the same Ten Commandments, but there are slight variations. Listen for the slight variations on the Fourth Commandment. This is Exodus. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, the reason there, the reason for the Sabbath is because God rested on the seventh day. Now, if I read Deuteronomy, it sounds very similar. I won't read the whole thing, but it, okay, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, and it goes on. And then it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So in the first explanation for the command to keep the Sabbath, it's got a theological reason. God established a pattern of a seven-day rest period, and he rested, and so he established that for us. Do it because he did it. The second reason is you were once slaves, and God redeemed you out of slavery, and therefore you should keep the Sabbath. Slaves don't get leisure. They don't get rest. Slaves are turned into work units. The question in for the Egyptians was, how many bricks of straw can they make in a given unit of time? And we'll give them this much supplies, and then they will make that much. And if you are not a human, you're a machine. You're like a machine. And it's a question of how much can I get done? How much work can I squeeze out of my life? I've become subhuman if I never have leisure. I'm just a, a, a unit, a machine. How many units can I get produced? And so that's more of a historical reason for the command. You were once slaves and God redeemed you and you're now free. So rest like free people. Don't work like slaves anymore. Don't fall back into that slavery. Now what is helpful also to point, I'm not saying don't work, because if you say my pastor told me I'm, I'm not a slave anymore so I'm not going to work, that's not what I'm saying. The Lord, Jesus himself, was both, he was both condoning rest from work but he was also saying in the command that Work is good, and we were made to work. It's not a do away with work, and you'll notice that work was even there in Genesis before the fall. Adam and Eve had work to do. So work is good, and rest is good, and rest because you're not a slave. You don't have to be a slave to work. It can be a joy. So first point, Sabbath was made for man. The second point, look at verse 28 in, in that passage uh, in the gospel. Jesus goes on and he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was made complete in the Son of Man. He himself is the perfect Sabbath. Jesus perfected what Deuteronomy 5.14 was describing, this care for humans. It was good to have your entire household, even the animals, rest. It was meeting human need. 
and animal need. And the Sabbath was a relief. And in the very next passage, Jesus heals a man also on the Sabbath who had a withered hand. And the question is asked again, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? And he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? The answer is very obvious. It is lawful to do good. It is lawful to save life. It is about restoring humanity. It's important for us to rest. And then the final way that we see rest is Jesus himself on the cross says it is finished. He has done his work for us. And so if he's done that work, we don't have to do it and we can rest in the fact that he's done it. Talk about restoring humanity. He's, he's atoned for our sins, he's given us forgiveness and he's communicated the deep love that he has for us and that he's willing to sacrifice like that. That's who our God is. He loves you and he goes to that great of a length to redeem you. And then he commands you to rest in him or invites you, you can say. I like to think of it as a command because even the commands are gracious. But Jesus says, if anyone's weary, let him come to me and I will give him rest. He invites it because he himself is the Lord of the Sabbath. Religion is about proving ourselves, but a relationship with him is about resting in him. He says elsewhere, our work is not the work of our hands. Our work is to believe in the one God sent and believe in Jesus. So now the question, how? How do we do this? How do we actually have a Sabbath every seven days so that we are living into the rhythm of creation, that we are doing what God intended for us to do? Now I'm gonna borrow from Eugene Peterson, who I think does a really good job of giving some balance, and it's been helpful for our family this summer to live into this rhythm, and I hope it'll be helpful for you as well. Eugene Peterson says there are two parts to a true Sabbath, pray and play. Pray and play. Both of them need to be there. They're both important. The Exodus reason, rest on the Sabbath because God rested and admired his work, is theological. We reflect on who God is. We give him thanks for his creation. We acknowledge that he has done the work on the cross for us in sending his son. We praise him. We work on the relationship. We interact with him. Pray. But not just that, play. And that goes back to the Deuteronomy reason. You're not a slave. You are a son or daughter adopted into the household of the king. Does the king make his own children become the hired hands? Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. You're friends because you know the master's business. You belong in the household of God. You are not a slave. They were slaves to Egypt. We are slaves to sin until Christ sets us free. And if you've been set free from that, you can have leisure, you can rest, you can recreate, you can have fun. And you have to have both. So some people, and the Puritans get beat up for this, but I mean, they get, it gets labeled Puritans, and they were actually more fun than the label, but it looks like all pray, all piety, and never a smile. And we just, even God has humor. I mean, you see humor in Christ in the Gospels, and it's important to have both. If you just have piety and are always, you know, on your knees praying all the time and never fun, we, we are perceived incorrectly. We don't have the joy. We don't demonstrate the joy we should. And so we have terrible lyrics out there like Billy Joel's. I always pick on this lyric. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. <sighs> they shouldn't be. No, they shouldn't be because they don't have the joy that we have. We need to play well because we belong to a loving king and we fit in his household and he delights in us. Eugene Peterson, when he was describing this, said he was leading a time of prayer in his church one time, and 
Everybody's, you know, bowed, hands folded, praying, and he said amen, and he looked up, and he saw his, his very young son crawling across the aisle chasing a ball, and he immediately felt shame that my son's playing with a ball in God's house, and then he repented of that and realized, does God have any less pleasure in my son playing in, my, in his house than he does in these grown-up sons of his praying in his house? Of course not. God delights in us as his children. And he repented, Eugene Peterson repented of that and recognized it was godly play. He was feeling the freedom of someone who belongs in the house of God. And if you just play all the time on your, your Sabbath day, that's even worse because you're falling back into the idolatry of I'm worshiping the recreation. And I'll confess, I, I know what that feels like. I just take all my ambition from work and put it right over here on a hobby and I go at it so hard that I get exhausted. And what am I doing? I'm worshiping the hobby as a thing that could potentially satisfy me and it never does. I don't care what your hobby or interest is, it never can satisfy you. You will not feel rested in it unless it's balanced with pray and play and it's the Lord's rest. You invite him into it. So you have to have both of these things. And what happens if we neglect Sabbath? I mean, I, really, I want you to start rethinking, how do I do every seven days and get into the rhythm of the creation? I really, that's my application. Have a Sabbath. Do it by play and pray. I can't tell you specifically what it will look like in your life. I can say this, for me, it is not Sunday. This is not my play day. This is a work day. So I don't have Sabbath on Sunday. My Sabbath day is Thursday. And I, I'm trying to shift my mindset away from calling it my day off and calling it my Sabbath. Like, I'm, I didn't want to call it a vacation this summer, I wanted to call it a sabbatical, because there was an intentionality to that, of prayer and play in God's presence. So I don't know what it'll look like for you. You have to work that out with the Lord. It's not about rules and laws, it's about a loving God who commands you to do it because you need it. What happens if you don't? What happens if you just keep blowing off the rest God commands? Well, let me give you a really, between the eyes kind of a quote from Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart. It's a book I taught on here and I took it with me all summer and Heather and I were reading through it. He says, rest when properly taken gives clarity to the mind. Weariness, which is the opposite, weariness by contrast can make us seek gratification and energy from food or drugs or from various illicit relationships or from egoistic postures. What will happen is you will seek rest somewhere because you were made to have it. You need it. And if you blow off God's rest, you will try to find rest elsewhere and it won't serve you. And a loving God says, keep the Sabbath holy. Rest one in seven days. Sleep in peace at night, knowing that I love you and I've already done all the real work that matters. It is finished. It is finished, he says. God graciously provides rest in him. So I want to encourage you to think through how you're going to rest this year, how you're going to rest within the next seven days. It's something you'll need to talk about with your actual family because if you're not resting and the other one is resting and you get out of phase, that's not helpful. So you have to think through what it looks like in your situation. But remember this, the command was given by a gracious God who loves you. You were not made to for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for you, and God is the one who gave it graciously. Would you pray with me?